welcome to Talking Tropes. The podcast where we give you just enough trope to hang yourself. This is the podcast where we talk about cliches in TV writing, the types of things that you see in almost every show, but you maybe didn't think about as much about the history and the repercussions. Yeah, um, we're going to give you names for all those things that you didn't even know there were names for them. I'm Hannah. And I'm David. Um, and we're so excited to jump into our first episode. That's right. Um, which you can probably tell from the episode title, uh, is about the will they, won't they trope. Will they? Or... Or won't they? I, I mean, will, that's the question. Will they what, though, David? Will they what? <laughs> mm, <yeah. laughs> um, it's, it's all about romantic tension, sexual tension, and trying to draw that out over the course of a TV sitcom. Oh, yeah. And this is, I think, a big one. Um, it's a trope that's basically as old as storytelling itself because any romance is going to have the tension. Yeah. yeah, it's the tension of whether they're going to actually end up together in the end. Is this a tragedy or a comedy? Exactly, yes. The thing about it being a comedy, if it is, you know, a sitcom, yes, this is, is that it this tends is, to fall into the same kind of patterns. This is definitely a trope that is seen most often in um, comedies and, like, soap operas and things like that, right. where dramatic tension needs to be high um, and needs to be constantly, uh, like, changing, but at the same time maintaining a status quo, exactly. which is what Will They Won't They, I think, is all about. Right. So the thing that you'll notice if you look back at, you know, the first TV is that most of the characters were already married. These were family style or or marriage based mm -hmm. sitcoms. You know, we're talking I Love Lucy, The Honeymooners, yep. um, Leave it to Beaver, these kind of shows. And then as we get more into the postmodern era of TV, people start to challenge those 60s preconceptions. And 70s. Exactly. Um, and the the premium, the quintessential example of this is uh, Cheers. Right. Um, so I actually, David and I are <laughs> some nice 20-something millennials. Sure. Uh, for those folks at home. Um, so we were not around when, no. like, Cheers was airing the first time. Uh, and so I actually talked to my parents a little bit because they were around right. for these shows. Um because I just wanted to, to, like, double-check to see if they remembered, like, the will-they-won't-they they trope, like, popping up in any of the shows that they had sort of watched as kids growing up. Um, and I, I know that, like, Happy Days was, like, a big, like, sitcom staple of the 70s. Of course. Um, so I asked about that. Nope. Nothing. They're... Well, there, there is sort of a romantic tension element with, you know... Joni and Chachi yeah. and, and anyone that, you know, the Fonz is hitting on, but right. it's not, it's not drawn out and it's exactly. not the primary thing and drawing I, you to the show. I think the thing that about Cheers that sort of helped change a lot of sitcom television following it was the fact that the will they, won't they trope was used to create a sort of series through line that there, it became slightly less episodic that you had to know a little bit about what happened on previous episodes to be able to like totally understand what was going on with these characters. And right. it certainly is not to the level that of serialization that has occurred today. No. But I think as a basement floor for that, it's a really strong example. 
Yeah, I mean, having a like a previously on segment on a show, which is were not... hilarious, by the way. Absolutely, we watched a lot of Cheers for this. We episode, watched, we watched a lot of Cheers. They would do something different for all the previously ons. Um, have a different character introduce it. Yep. Use a different media. For one, they had yeah. they had the coach character um, do a literal play by play of the previous episode, like drawing on it like a sports yep. announcer. Uh, really, really. I mean, Cheers, like. It's As purely in terms of pure writing and and innovation and trying to flip things on their head, I think Cheers is you know one of the really great uh, pr- progressive sitcoms, sitcoms that you know address cultural norms and try and talk about them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and so if you talk about the like conception of this show, it was you know let's set it in a bar in New England. We're dealing with single people. We're dealing with lonely people. Um, we're dealing with real people as comparatively to the sort of idealized people in, in sitcoms of the past. And the show was really built around this Sam and Diane dynamic. Absolutely, yeah. That's really the core of it. Mm-hmm. And they brought Even though in, it only lasted for five seasons. Well, you know why that is, though. Yes, Because yeah. the actress who played Diane, uh, Shelley Lang, Long? Yeah. Uh, she she, <laughs> she uh, left the show. She wasn't happy. She didn't enjoy uh, working with the characters, Ted but Danson. had an astounding yeah. chemistry with Ted Danson. Um, just it was really like a, just that magic spark that you, when you get two actors in a room and they really play off each other. You you, you got to look. Do you I, not agree? I I very much disagree. Okay. Like uh, I don't know. Maybe it's Ted Danson. I'm not into Ted Danson, so I don't get it. But like, <laughs> I mean, Ted Danson, by today's standards, is not the most attractive also his man. His toupee was so noticeable. His toupee, very noticeable. I pointed it out to my mother while we were watching an episode together, and she's mm-hmm. like, he's not wearing a toupee. Oh, he and absolutely I was like, is. Robin, he, he most is, certainly is. He is wearing a hairpiece, <laughs> and he has a jaw that is indescribable. I will say the jaw is kind of amazing. The jaw I think is good. I would like it better without the hairpiece. It's okay. just it's too square with both. I, think I mean, that's what's I, going you know, on. you watch him in the good place now. I think he definitely looks better. I absolutely agree, one hundred percent. In any case, not to talk about <laughs> Ted Danson's looks too His much. His beautiful face. But I think that the dynamic where you have this antagonistic but sexually tense relationship, right? Like that's clearly what audiences latched onto at the time, yes. even if. It's not as palatable to you today. Yes. And I think that's, I think it was good to watch that and then to, because the other, I think, prime example that jumps into people's head when this trope is brought up is Ross and Rachel Rachel from Friends. Which is trying so hard to emulate (laughs) this Sam and Diane dynamic. It's it's very clear in the text. They reference Cheers in a few episodes. It's interestingly reversed. Reverse in what sense? So in Cheers, where Diane is the, um, not upper class, but she's well, she's snooty, the, she's educated, she's elite. the snooty, educated elitist. Yeah. And um, uh, I'm gonna call him Ted now, but his name is Sam. <laughs> um, yeah. Where Sam has he's is, low he's, class. He's, he's low an class. Athlete. He's sporty. He's promiscuous. He's, he's popular. He's a he's a he's, he's a the, real American. He's the jock, you know. <laughs> But then you look at Ross and Rachel from Friends, and it's the opposite, where well, you, Rachel is the popular, flirty one who um, is 
like becomes working class even though she has rich parents. Okay. Um and like is sort of forced to deal with being like looked down upon. Looked down upon, yeah, especially by Ross who is very much this snobbish elitist sure. character. Yeah, and I think the what they miss in Friends is that I do think that in Cheers it is a more of a class dynamic than it is a, you know, battle of the sexes, sort of war of genders kind of thing. And in, in Friends, you really do feel like it's, it's you it's know... It's all about the It's all about... Yeah, yeah, it's all about, well, I had a crush on you in high school, and you were popular in high school, and, and you know, it's it's yeah. it's a it's like a childlike dynamic, um, I, a youthful relationship, rather than a, a an adult conflict of of class and education and politics i don't know i disagree okay i really i really think that i i'm having a hard time deciding which couple i think is worse because i don't think any of them are good it's, no i mean they're like, certainly not the kind of and, couples and that I'll, you would want exactly. to hang out with in real life <laughs> um, and they're definitely not healthy either yeah of them. i would i would definitely give cheers the nod for one, not having them get together, together while she was on the show, and then even in its finale when they brought her exactly. back. Exactly. They could have, it would have been so easy for them to just have them ride off on that plane right. at the end. Um, for those of you who haven't seen the episode, yeah. um, Diane leaves at the end of season five uh, because of, you know, again, because of creative differences, um, saying that she's going to go uh, finish her novel. She ends up going off and writing for film, and winning awards and making a career for herself, but she still feels kind of lonely and she still feels this kind of connection yeah. to Ted Danson's character, Sam, back at the bar. And so she returns sort of triumphantly and they have their same kind of banter and competition. And then they decide, you know what? We really did have something special. Let's get married. Everyone tells them it's a terrible idea. Because it is. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get on a plane to go get married. Uh, and then... They hear voices in their head in the form of uh, the pilot speaking directly to them, um, telling them, this is a terrible idea, you're, you're, you're just doing this because you're afraid of being alone, this is pointless, yeah. you should just go back where you belong, Which, either like, in the bar or in Hollywood. Kudos to those writers! Like, they understand. For, and also for letting characters at the end of a sitcom not have gotten together. Like, well, because this, this is what I think is the primary difference yeah. between Cheers and Friends, is that sure. when Cheers uses the will-they-won't-they they trope, it's as a criticism of the natural trajectory of TV characters to be married and stay married forever. And in Friends, it's just trying to copy Cheers. Yes. <laughs> but I missing would... out on the actual critique. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's something that we're going to see as we explore a lot of these different tropes. Yeah. Is that we're going to see that they're attempting to subvert, but I mean, when all, this, after all, the subversion All art through, is theft. You of know, course, yeah. Like it's all coming from somewhere. Right. Every trope is a subversion of the previous trope or a a copy of the previous right. trope. And so this trope um, in its origin is a They're all meant to address um, whatever anxieties or trends are popular right. at the time. And the big trend in this time was the women's liberation yes. second wave, I would say. Or, well, sort of, it was both a reaction to the social change of the 70s right. and the encroaching conservatism of the 80s right. and, like, 
that decade technology change becomes a big part. There's like a whole big scene where um, Sam gets a answering machine for the bar and that like creates like a whole I wish I had a car phone yeah like like, all that I'd kill for a car phone and it ran for so long it it lasted over these decades and I mean same for friends too you know I I watched an early episode the other night and those those 90s men's over jackets wow everyone looked like a brick house the the greasy hair and the oh yeah um alright not to to (laughs) derail too much um but yeah, so I I understand where Cheers I think is reacting to the sitcom trope of not necessarily talking so much about sex on TV and mm-hmm. not necessarily um really like oh boy and girl meet they must be in love forever or boy and girl or just the girl right. of the week <laughs> boy of the week trend of, of like happy days you know sure, where it's yeah. like Fonzie's always got a new girl you know yeah. like that sort of thing um. So I, I agree that it's definitely reacting to that, but at the same time, I think it really does set the standard that we see for a very long time in traditional sitcoms sure. after this of these two people having mostly an antagonistic relationship, but either one of them likes the other person or the... like. I think what, what, I what makes this one work is that they clearly both actually do like each other the whole time? I didn't time. get that, though. I mostly okay. saw... Like, for me, it didn't seem like there's a lot of friendship. It wasn't really based well, off of friendship. Well, th- I guess this is what I'm saying, is that it's not that they're, they have a friendship that they're trying to insert sex into, which okay. is what Friends feels like. This, I guess this is what I'm saying. It's They're using antagonism to hide feelings, feelings of attraction, yes. yeah. and they're really just professionals, their co-workers. Sure. That's it. I, I would I would agree with that. Um, that they aren't really friends, not. and they wouldn't remain friends after realizing be. that they're not meant for each yeah. other. There's just a an intense sexual tension with no emotional yeah. connection on top. And I, it, I will agree with you. You know, like it's not which, a real which I think leads them to act very childishly, of which is why I think I I disagreed with your statement where you said that it's more about class and less about this childish I want you sort of thing. Okay, and yeah. To me, it's it's just, you know, it's pulling only, someone's hair. It's only and, because it know. is very much they are yeah. pulling each other's hair. You right. know, there's uh one early breakup scene in like season two or something, mm-hmm. um, where they each grab onto each other's right. noses and <laughs> like won't let go and like it's like they always just want to one up each other. You know, like right. they, neither of them want to lose, neither of them want to be vulnerable and like that's what leads to all the miscommunication and tension and drama right. and blah blah blah. That is really the the core of it. And I think Which is one of my least favorite okay. <laughs> tropes is miscommunication like that. Right. I, but it wasn't like miscommunication too often. It wasn't that one person would say to say, say something to the other person they would misinterpret it. It was that they were really trying to get on the each other, other's skin. Well, they like, wanted they wanted the other person to admit it first, and, right. but they both also wanted to admit it, but they couldn't because right. there is pride in the way, which also is one of my least favorite things. Male pride or just pride in general? I mean, pride in general, but specifically, it, ten, it tends to be pride. more of a male trope that's that's used right. in male characters rather than female characters. Right. I guess like the thing that makes it attractive to me and you know, I'm not trying to defend it entirely sure, because sure. Cheers is a show that really, you know, because of the time that it's made, a lot of the jokes are built off of this kind of casual misogyny 
type of thing. Right. On on the idea that like but at the you same know, time, men are men are you know reacting negatively right. to just the fact that there are women in the room. Like I or... I kind of wanted to hate it for that reason. Um, and the same reason I kind of wanted to dislike Carla, that she's a side character right, played, played by, by Rhea, Rhea Perlman, Berlin. um, who's hilarious. And I oh, actually, I can't not, you can't hate her because can't she's, her cause she's so funny, but so I, I hate the, funny. I hate in the first episode, it seems like, uh, this Carla character and, um, Diane's character are going to kind of get along a little bit. At least that's what I got from the first Although, episode. Although, I guess you kind of think, like, as a writer, you know, th- these characters are never going to be able to really get along. Because sure. they, they just, they come from such different worlds. Yes. That they're, it's this, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, like Carla of, and here's what I'll say. Sam come I, from the same yeah. world. Here's what I say. I like, what I like about Cheers, and I think this is where you're right about the class thing, is that it, it makes, everyone is right and everyone is wrong. Yes. You know, like... That like, was, I think, the staple no, of the 70s. There's no that was good all guys, of those there's shows. no bad guys. Everyone's, yeah. like, this tossed salad of peopleness. So just to wrap it up with the Cheers conversation, you would say, more or less, that it's a relationship that's built on antagonism, so it's not meant to work. Right. It's critical of that, but it still is, but it, it doesn't ring as, like, a... True it's only mildly romance. critical of it. Okay, I think. right, and it does sort of entrench those ideas, yeah. which carries over into Friends, and there's a few other things that carry over into Friends as well, um, such as the idea of there's a character who is just sort of the placeholder for the actual romantic yeah. interest. Yeah. So that's Frasier in this one, um, yeah. and he who actually becomes ascends, a main character. I would say I think is one of the few characters to actually exactly. ascend that. That trope or that pigeonholing. So again, another sort of plus in the column for Cheers in yeah. that they don't sort of leave all those characters in the lurch. They do leave, however, um, Sam's little fling with a congresswoman uh, yes. at the end of uh, season four. Yeah. Um, where he can't commit to her because he still has feelings for Diane and mm. and they sort of ruin each other's relationship and and the idea of ruining so, someone's relationship because you want to be with them right. is i think the biggest problem with this trope in general i think it's a big problem of romantic comedies in in general right. um i i think there was some humorous like buzzfeed article or something that was like to all the nice guy couples or not even just right. guys like all all the nice significant <laughs> others who get left at the altar like where's oh the dating God. app for those people what happens to those people yeah and I, we'll call them the left behind the left behinds the, the will they won't they be left behind. oh gosh so sad um and it is very sad and that really carries over into friends where for some reason they tend to be women of color mm. which is a weird thing to me it's uh you have first you have julie okay who is from from China only in that they meet in China. Okay. Um, and it's a, there's a funny bit where Rachel is she assumes she's not. Okay, she's see, I've only watched a couple episodes of Friends, so especially the early stuff, I'm a little shaky Okay, on. so I'll fill you yeah. in on how Friends is uh, terrible. Okay. <laughs> and I know a lot of people have a very strong emotional connection to Friends. We all grew up on it, except me. And, uh, and, uh, and it's, it's tough to look at. Now, from this perspective, because I, I will Ross. say, I I once it went on Netflix, I went and I binged a lot of it, and I was a little bit shocked because I had always, all of my like most liberal friends like love mm-hmm. this show, and 
Because I like these watching are the things now. we don't question. And it's this, but it's the sort of thing where I think if they watched it now and hadn't grown up with it, if they, they had would to be, write a paper on they it. They would be a lot more critical <laughs> exactly. of it. And maybe not even like it that much. I, I think so too. And I, I recommend that anybody who's listening to this who loves friends, you know, it's fine to love what you love and to also be critical of yeah. it. But, you know, try and... <laughs> We're and, very critical of the things we love. It annoys the so. crap out of our family. Very much so. Um, <laughs> we'll come back from a movie and they'll go, what'd you think? And then we'll loud and out like... We loved it! We loved it! Here's, Here's everything that was wrong with that it. Here's a million things better. And they were like, wait... <laughs> But did you like it? And we're like, of course. What do you think we're talking about it for? <laughs> um, so, you know, here's the, the, the key with these other characters, yeah. these will-they-won't-they-be-left-behinds. You have Julie, um, who is a, an Asian-American woman okay. who shares all these same interests with Ross, and they really seem like they would do very well together, but she gets broken up with off-screen. Yeah, a lot of them, I feel like, are off-screen She gets break-ups. cheated on in that Ross kisses Rachel because they found out that they still have feelings for each other. And yeah. so th- what could be wrong with kissing someone that you love? Except for that in, <laughs> the, other room, to someone else. in the other room, there's somebody who yeah. you've been dating for months. <laughs> yeah. And and this is defended. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into that in, in a second. Yeah. But there's also Charlie, played okay. by Aisha Tyler, who oh, I love. Yeah. Um, who is who Ross immediately takes an interest in. She ends up going out with Joey. They end up cheating on each other. Joey cheats on Charlie with uh, or no, Joey breaks up with Charlie. Okay. Dates Rachel, and um, Ross. Goes out what with Charlie. Season, it's I believe it's season seven or eight. Oh wow! Um, it's it's very late on. It's after Joey has shown interest in Rachel, okay. and they've sort of played with that ship for a little bit. I ship it. I think it's fine to do whatever shipping you're gonna do, but <laughs> I think they're both still terrible people. Because, you know, no matter how, like, Joey's very nice about it, he's very, like, ashamed of his feelings and how he's betraying Ross, which Ross would never do for anyone in a million years. No, because Ross is the worst. But, uh... I think people who love Friends all still agree that Ross is the worst. (laughs) Right, but it's still Joey sort of trying to just, like, edge in on this game and play the nice guy card. He, He... he accidentally proposes to Rachel in a pretty funny scene, but then doesn't do anything to change people's perceptions that he purposefully proposed to her. Right. Um, there's a lot of just miscommunications, like you were saying, sure. that I create these big problems. Miscommunication is definitely a sitcom staple. Of course. Uh, because there's nothing you, wrong with that. Because you need conflict, and miscommunication is a really easy way to make that conflict sure. happen. But a lot of things could have been avoided if they just locked their doors and didn't give each other the keys. <laughs> That's so true. All of this could have been avoided. The whole show People walk happen. in on the, at the right, at the exact wrong right. moment yeah. and, and all of this stuff. So Charlie is black and, uh, and Julie is Asian okay. and they are broken up with and yeah. disposed of. Like, yeah. like they're not worth anything to the show yeah. full of white tw- 20 Privileged. and 30 something. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, Living in the there's something about these disposable characters that just really, it irks me as yeah. a writer. Like, you have to write up to every character. Sure. I think that's 
absolutely the most noble writing goal of them all right. is to really flesh out each of your characters, exactly. even if they're only there for an episode. Yeah, and and you know, if you don't flesh them out, you don't need to know what their childhood is right. like. But they have to feel like real people, and you it's have to treat their desires. Of motivations. As real. Yes. What is this girl's motivation for dating Ross? Right. And what is her motivation? As a whatever else she is, right. I don't know. The only the only left behind that they actually deal with okay. is Emily, okay. he, Ross's British That's wife. That's the one that he almost marries, right? He and does he, marry her. Oh. Says the wrong name yeah. at the wedding. Yeah. And then they don't see each other for months, and then they try and make it work, but um, Emily gives Ross an ultimatum, mm-hmm. and this is another trope that's sort His of baked ultimatums. within. The will they won't they is the ultimatum, and that happens a lot of Sam and Diane too. And and here's the thing is that ultimatums do happen in real life. They are challenging. Yeah. They um they are not good. I don't I think anybody knows that an ultimatum in a relationship, especially one dealing with you can't see this friend of yours anymore. That's just controlling. It's I think. it's considered controlling, and it, it it creates a perfect justification for getting that love interest out of their life. Sure. And that's the cheap writing aspect of it. Yeah. Like, um, if you if you were to try and get them out of their life by actually creating a real problem in their relationship, I think that would be a much better goal rather than just saying, well, I don't like Rachel very much because you're in love with her. Right. And, like, it's not that's not a real conflict. It's just an excuse to get Emily out of the picture so that Rachel right. becomes the only option. And I think I think also it goes back to wanting to keep that sitcom status quo. Yes. Um, which is, again, one of the main features of Will They, Won't They? Of course. Is that even if they do, they have to stop doing at some point right. and not because they need things to continue and they need to be able to build the each episode off of this idea that these characters are in the same place that we left them last week and that precisely that you don't need to watch the whole season to pick up with Sam and Diane or pick up with Ross and Rachel right. at any episode. Now one of the things that's unique to friends that that friends sort of introduced it's more or less is this idea of like the friend zone being a a big part of the will yeah. they won't they didn't and, friends coin the term I uh i i'm not sure about that i'd have to double check but i, I it sounds it sounds yeah, right I it's think the friend they zone coined the and term. that's in in uh the, the one with the blackout uh episode seven um which what season is that it's season one. Oh wow it's so it's right foundational. off the bat because it's the core concept yeah. of this relationship is that Poor will they Ross won't they because the he's stuck in the friend zone. He's just he's just the nerdy older brother of right. the girl's best friend. That's it. Oh man, if only she saw me as a sexual prospect. Right. That and everything. There's would definitely be great. I will say this. I think there's definitely more of a sense of entitlement yes. in friends than there is in cheers. And it's encouraged by the friends. You you'll see yes. that in like episodes You'll, you'll you'll have them say something like, well, you know, Ross has only been dating this Julie chick for a couple months. He's been in love with Rachel since high school. Which is like, dude, get over it. <laughs> like, sorry. I mean, I mean, for sure, high school crushes will last. They'll stick with you. They're, you know, memories of, of the prime of your youth. But they're fictitious. But, like, 
they're born of an immaturity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it's the same people who can't get over high school that are still in love with their high school. Very much sometimes. Like the people who haven't done a lot with their life since, but which is ridiculous. But that's the thing is I think like Ross's character is just so fundamentally insecure. Um, and the worst, he's just so annoying. Yeah. He's, there's a lot of problems with <laughs> Ross sa- as a in character. In the same way that I don't understand what Sam and Diane see in each other. I don't understand what, what anyone sees what in Ross. people see in Ross. Like, well, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Like Ross his his nerdisms are not played as charming. They're played as like dead weight in the room. Right. They're pl- like everything Which is he like does is little... played as like why do your friends even like you? Oh, right. Exactly. It's like it doesn't seem like why they does your like sister him. Like you? It why doesn't does... seem like he likes them very much. Like no. and it's 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 very interesting. I think living in a post coming of the nerd age. Right. Um, where Doctor Who is on TV Yeah, yeah. Again, when when you like, have the nerd as the hero almost as, as the default. Basic, in the same the, Yeah, the in the same way that Jock used to be the default hero. Exactly. Nerd is now. Right. Um, Sam is a jock exactly. and it's played for laughs that he's a jock. Ross is a nerd and it's played for laughs that he's a nerd, but his nerdness allows it gives him permission to do awful awful things which is i think a huge problem with like the whole big bang theory of course we won't get into that we won't get into big bang topic for another podcast (laughs) for sure um but yeah so yeah i i think i think i agree with you so far yeah in the beginning of the show ross is willing to tell complete strangers that he has dibs on rachel so gross um he's uh Joey is the one who brings up the friend zone, but he clearly, you know, truly believes that he has, like, missed his window. The missed, the missed your window kind of thing. Is like yeah. A um, and, and just the idea that it's because it's based on a childhood crush, it has more weight because they've known each other longer. And it's just not, it just doesn't ring true. Like, you know, marrying your childhood best friend is not always, like, a recipe for success. Absolutely. Um... Well, it's not even, they weren't even friends in childhood, though, is the thing. Mm -hmm. Like, she hated him and ignored him him in high school. And, like... Right. Yeah. Um, And, you know, there's also this sort of idea of um, it's more, it's a relationship is worth more if you have to wait. Right. Like, waiting long enough will earn you someone else's affection. Which, to me, has kind of an air of of slut-shaming and the idea of you shouldn't give it up too early, Mm. to me. To me, it's less about that, and I think it just still goes back to that, like, male entitlement That you'll get them eventually. Right. And, um, like, this is still a trope that pops up even in better shows. For sure. Um, where it's the the guy like will wait for you and work for you to earn your affection, but really it's just almost like wearing the girl down right. sort of thing. And male entitlement is, also plays into big romantic displays of affection, big dramatic gestures. Like how can you say no when you propose to someone in front of their whole friend group right. and everything in a big dramatic way? Yeah. That's another really common thing. Um, in in friends and and onward yeah. down this list of of shows. Um, do you wanna do you wanna move a little onward? 
Yeah, let's or, let's or any take a, any last points about Friends that we want to hit um, let's before we dive see. into more more as modern. As far fare. as Friends goes, I think that's just about it, except for there's a bald girl named Bonnie who is broken up with because she's bald. Oh boy. Strange, strange show. Weird, weird show. All right. Um. um so so I think the two biggest modern successors that pretty tidily fall into mm-hmm. um, this, like, Sam well, Diane, Ross they. Rachel, yes. well, they won't, they trope, is um, The Office and How I Met Your Mother. Of course. Yeah, so in How I Met Your Mother, that show is trying so hard to be friends. <laughs> All right, just a, just a warning for everyone here. Okay. This is going to turn into the How I Met Your Mother hate cast oh, for a for hot For just sec. a little bit. Just for a hot Just sec. Just bear with us, because... You know, it can I, be a funny show. I will say this. I binged, like, the first nine seasons yeah. in, like, a week, and I... It's very addictive. I loved it, and it's so easy to just hit next on Netflix. It's so easy to and like, you know, Marshall or They're built to be Robin. characters. And it's easy to just sort of laugh at, at Barney and his tricks, yeah. his bag of tricks. And, like, in the same way as Friends, like, you can sort of acknowledge some of the... A more questionable stuff and just and move past yeah. it because there's another joke coming. And there's always that hook of we gotta find out who the mother is. Exactly. Who's the you mother? Do. You do want to know who, who is the that? mother is. Who is that? Which is honestly, I think, probably one of the most genius, like. Except for it's totally not original. It's the Wonder Years is the same thing. Do they do it? In the Wonder years? years, it's they're talking to their children about. You know about their childhood. That's the framing device. Okay. I guess there's not the same thing of trying to figure out the there's mystery. There's no mystery you're element right. to it. You're, yeah. you're absolutely so. Right. I think introducing that mystery element right. is awesome. Like, of course, I think later it becomes a little bit of a crutch and of to course. the show's detriment at times. But like, also that show ran for mm-hmm. what eleven seasons, something like that. Uh, only nine actually. Nine. Oh wow. Then I bring the first than... seven <laughs> seasons, not the first nine. <laughs> well, um, the just to fill you in on what happens in eight and nine, oh. you spend two seasons trying to get Barney and Robin to get married, and then in the last episode. They get divorced, and <laughs> Robin gets together five, with Ted. Five five minutes, yeah. So basically, um, it starts with a really great premise, but then in the same way that I think the way I would praise Cheers for having Sam and Diane not, not. get together, and how it showed a lot of character growth <laughs> right. uh, over right. the course of a lot of seasons, mm-hmm. uh, that is my same criticism for How I Met Your Mother, in that they went with what was Endgame from episode one, if only because it had been Endgame since episode one and completely exactly. ignored all of the character growth. Exactly. Just, right. Also, for a hot second, I just want to talk about how for that last final season of How I Met Your Mother, where the whole season takes place In on, like, the one, weekend yeah. where Barney and Robin <laughs> are getting married. And, like, at this point, I think we've seen the mother's face, but she and Ted haven't right. really met yet. So it's we're, like, so excited for them in, to... She's interacting with all the other characters. I've, I've honestly forgotten her name, even Tracy. though we learned her. Tracy, wow. Bless you for Tracy remembering Mc, that. McSomething. McSomething. Who cares? Um, yeah. <laughs> clearly, dead, not the, clearly not the show. Dead wife. <laughs> Hello, my name is Dead Wife. I'm here to but, inspire character but I changes. I just want to talk about that betrayal to your viewers, where you build up to an event for literally like 23 episodes <laughs> or so. 
And then at the end of the, that event, in the span of five minutes, you dissolve the meaningfulness of anything that happened. Exactly. Like, that's some bad writing right there. I mean, And that's it's, all I have to say. Yeah, it's... it's also, disposable love interest. Disposable love wazoo. interest, for sure. I will Victoria say... Victoria in season one was... Uh, <clears throat> a woman in a bake shop who moves to Germany and yeah. so many almost weddings. I think almost weddings is yeah. like a huge And it's thing. not always it's not always Ted who breaks them off to right. go be with Robin, which yeah. is a positive. Yes. But it's always, you know, the, the the thing, you know, Ross is always forgiven because he didn't get laid in high school. He was a nerd. Right. And Ted <laughs> always gets always gets a pass because he's a romantic. And a nice He guy. believes in love oh, at first sight. He believes in love. Ted Mosby is also kind of the worst character. See, this is the thing. is like it, It's an interesting reduction because you start to realize that believing that there's a soulmate out there for you, that there's just one person who's perfect for you, and that there's destiny and all this thing, it can create the same problems as Barbara. Barney, who just goes out and sleeps with people and doesn't care about them, because Ted doesn't care about any of the women he sleeps with unless it ends with getting Marriage. married and having kids. Yeah. So the other really problematic thing that I see in How I Met Your Mother and in Friends is this idea that the friends of the main character are so invested in whether or not a particular relationship succeeds or fails uh, in Friends, this comes out in the fact that you will, you'll have whole episodes where the friends are just listening through the walls. Oh, have yeah. you noticed this? Yep. Yep. Like, what, what is the deal with that? It's like they're sort of functioning I think, as I a think commentary really, track. I think it totally goes back to Sam and Diane and Cheers, because one of the first big fights that they have, they uh, open, their, it's in Sam's office in the bar, mm-hmm. and they open the door and it's played as a joke, but like it's they had, like they're they're all like pressed up against the door and like in this right. beautiful comedy tableau. I thought like sometimes in Cheers though you would have the joke be that no one cares and that no one sometimes cares about be, how the relationship is going. That's the same thing with friends too. You know, there's the famous Monica line like "Don't steal my thunder." Or, or no, no, no. The um like I love Ross. I can't stand Ross. I love right, like she right. like it's they cared it. Like they're all. I think every show is aware of right. what its audience and they have, sees. And they have these characters to function in these episodes as audience stand-ins. Yeah. And so you have, in How I Met Your Mother, you have Lily, mm-hmm. who is the audience stand-in for the shippers in mm-hmm. the group, and she actively manipulates relationships so that they will break up and get back together. Now, this is kind of framed as a bad thing okay. sometimes. But it's also framed as like, well, she knows best. She's the matriarch of the friend group. Right. And so she gets to decide what relationships live and what die. Right. And she's responsible for the initial Ted-Robin breakup and several other things. Yeah, it was like, you find out in season four retroactively that she was the one who, like, switched their cell phones so that she would accidentally pick up and realized that Ted was still going out with Victoria at the time, yeah. and there's cheating, and there's lies, and sure, like, she's probably right in that case, that it's yeah. a fucked up, broken relationship. <laughs> there's cheating going on. There is that cheating going on. should end or resolve but somehow. But she'll do other things. She'll hide rings. She'll yeah. hide okay. different things and, and scheme. And it's really, like, I think, indicative of the audience investment 
in how these relationships turn out. That like no no well, oh god, what's the what's the term? No holds barred. <laughs> right, no holds barred. <laughs> like whatever it takes, murder if yes. it means that my the two... ends justify the means. Exactly, very much that. Um, and you know this carries over into the idea that the audience really does expect two characters to get together. Yeah. If they were shown together at the beginning of the series, right, or even just shown to have a little bit of, of chemistry, chemistry, which is what I think. Is the case in the Thirty Rock Fist? <laughs> All right, we're going on two different yeah, directions. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thirty well, Rock, I think, plays with it. I think Rock, the Office is absolutely right. playing it. Straight. Thirty Rock is is I think interesting because they lampshade um, the fact that the audience seems to want Liz and Jack to get together, yeah. who are based on the real life relationship between Tina and Lauren Michaels. Lauren Michaels which would be disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> and and no one wants that. But but I think it's I think it's hilarious. I think the show does a great job of it. Like they never I never felt like they were shaming no, anyone of about it. Not. But they were certainly like they were very aware of it and yes. they would make a lot of jokes about it and there were a couple of moments <laughs> Kim where Jong-il, like Kim Jong-il for example <laughs> is one of the characters who says that he very he just wants Jack and Liz to get together. It was great on Friends. It was great on Cheers. I just wanted that. Just d- don't think too hard about it, writers. <laughs> but we think too hard about everything because we're writers. Yeah. <laughs> well, because that's what I think is so great about Thirty Rock is it's a show about comedy yes, written it's a by show about writers, comedy writers who write comedy. Yes. Like, it's just it's of course they're gonna take the like weirder mm-hmm. route. Oh, wait. And then you also have... Because they can for yes. the first time. You also have Grizz telling Liz that, man, we really were the Sam and Diane uh, of this place. Right. So everyone's a Sam and Diane relationship if you think about the world through that lens. Well, also... If, if they don't think, like each other, that's Sam and Diane. If they do like each other, that's Sam, Sam and Diane. Diane. Right. It's whatever you want if to see. If they break up and get back together a lot, Sam and, Sam and Diane. Diane. If they've only dated once, it could still even be yeah, Sam and it's, Diane. Yeah, it's all will they, won't they. It's yeah. all Sam and Diane. Um, I... Yeah, I just I can't remember exactly what moment it is, but there's some moment where like Liz is in Jack's office or something, and she says, or one she says, Jack, have you ever thought about like you and I? And he just like dismisses her out of hand, like lemon, you're like four hundred pounds too heavy. Or, like, part of it is because they have that. If two characters have a repartee, yeah. you know, if they have chemistry, you think about them like you know um, Audrey Hepburn and Spencer Tracy and sure. like those classic you know back and forth talking movies. Yeah. You, th- you think about it like His Girl Friday no, or I whatever, it... which was the basis for the Sam and Diane <laughs> dynamic, I but it ends up a... carrying over into non-sexual relationships. I think it's also a very um, straight person dynamic. Yes. Um, because I, I know that there's a lot, a lot of queer culture poking fun at straight culture mm-hmm. is um, the particularly antagonistic relationship and how that's romanticized. Yes. Why, why, why do we straight people so enjoy hating each other? Right, like you're about to get married and, and dudes are so like, oh, take my life. Like, take my wife, Yeah, please. exactly. Like, uh. like, there is just that weird antagonism and I think shows like cheers and friends and how i met your mother to some extent with like robin and barney more yeah. so than like ted and other people yeah um like really push that you gotta have some antagonism in your relationship or else it's not really a relationship and you have to have passion right like and passion like, means fighting exactly if you don't fight that's a problem yeah um and i think 
one of the biggest changes for the better that I've seen in recent years on TV is the move away from that. Yes. Because I would say, even in How I Met Your Mother, even though Ted is kind of deplorable, (laughs) he is genuinely trying to make a connection with someone and, like, be their friend and care about them. And it's not like, I want to find a girl who I can argue with for the rest of my life. I want to find a girl who I can have a conversation with for the rest of my life. Which I think is a better direction and I think and you do see that also in the office yes as we transition yeah yeah yeah. sorry um so (laughs) so in the office I think it plays straight that 30 rock trope of two people have this um, they have like, a playful chemistry. They have tension, a friendship. Playful tension. It's built off of a friendship. Yes. Um, and that it's more that circumstance is keeping them apart. And of course. In the office, it's the case of um, Pam is engaged. And right. Or or Angela gets engaged to somebody else. Right. And, and who else gets engaged? Everyone. Everyone gets engaged. Gets engaged on that Aaron, show. I think, gets engaged to Gabe, or show, at least they're in a committed relationship. Yeah, it's another show where I think. It just goes on for so long right. that, like, the writers needed stuff to happen. Um, right. So, like, with Pam and Jim, who I think is what I think most people would think of first off. It's the most about, recent prime example yeah, of this of, that people really latched onto. And that people still kind of and love. There's so many memes of so, them. I'm just looking for someone who loves me like Jim. Yeah, I'm looking for the Pam to my Jim. I'm looking or for the Jim whatever, to my Pam. Yeah, whatever. God. I'm looking for the Roy. <laughs> the drunk no, asshole boyfriend. Yeah. That, that's the other thing is, is when they have the person stay with someone who they're clearly so unhappy with just so that... For tension. Just so that by the season finale they can break up with Whoa! them. Just in time for sweeps week, you know. Um... <laughs> Just in time for sweeps week. <laughs> Gotta have that big dramatic proposal. Right. Um, um, but yeah, so like, and, and that's the other thing that I've noticed going back and like rewatching a lot of these things mm-hmm. is that these big moments do tend to happen at mid-season finales or at like... Of course. Se- season finales and that it's, sort of thing. They're not stupid. They're right. doing this because they want people to keep watching. Right, exactly. Um, you gotta stick around for new for and, next season. And they leave, yeah, big cliffhangers at the end of the season. Right. Sam calls somebody... Kissed. Sam calls somebody yeah. to say, hey, you want to get married? You don't see who it is. Jim and Pam kiss. Until the next season. But we don't know what happens. What What's happens the fallout? after that? Yeah. What's the fallout? Um, the, there's always, you know, friends. Every episode is the one after that. the right. one where the thing happened. Yeah. The one after Ross says Rachel. Right. The one after Ross tells Rachel. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. All this stuff. Um, yeah, so... I think, and then, like, there's a lot of contrivance, obviously, to keep them apart, which I think is another part of will they, won't they. Um, But then, in the office, Jim and Pam do end up together. And they don't break up. They eventually do. And they get married. But then, an interesting thing happens. By interesting, I mean very uninteresting things happen, (laughs) which is called Jim and Pam's married relationship. It's so, so many boring. Things no, don't happen. No comedy at all in their married relationship. Yep. No tension they or try any to sort of, in like, the last But they season. just make it so serious. Yes. Like they, they go too hard on the like let's have a real problem happen. Right. It's the things. problem then is that Jim wants to go leave his job and start up something in in Philly. And there's a big problem and with that. And there's just marital, just like but uncomfortable marital tension. It's like, right. it's it's all of the 
flirt that seemed to propel their relationship seems gone and that the loving and support that you actually need in a Mm -hmm. real relationship almost wasn't there, but they were trying to make comedy out of that and it fell really flat. And that's when I think The Office, which always had other side relationships, really picked up and tried to make other um, will they won't they relationships things and, with Dwight and, and Angela yes. with Aaron and Andy versus Aaron and Gabe and right. like all this other stuff and, and it's speaking not that also married it's not that married comedy isn't and can't be funny I absolutely. mean I Love Lucy is one of the funniest or, shows of I all think time in another absolutely and I I think just to point at another show shot even in the same style as The Office, Parks and Rec. Right. I think Leslie and Ben's relationship or or April and and Andy, Andy, like nothing of their relationship necessitate, like once they got married, really changed. They were still still funny. They still loved each other. They were still characters. They're dealing with external problems. Exactly. Now. April and Andy will deal with some kind of problem in their real life and, that's and where they'll the comedy help comes each from. other yeah. to solve it. Right. Which is where all comedy comes from is an external problem. Right. Not, hey, you know, I'm just I really feeling feel my feelings are hurt. It's feeling right. this and that. They tend to come from external problems yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Um, so you, you were going to make a point earlier and I, I interrupted. Um, I don't even know what point oh, I was going to make. Never mind. We'll, we'll move on. Yeah. Um, oh, um, about, shoot, nope, I, just give me a second. What were we talking about? It was some. We were with, talking about Jim and Pam after they get Jim married. After they get married. They, they lose all the, the passion. They lose all the spark. And then in other shows. Oh, no. Uh, um, I remember what it was. Um. Just as an aside, uh, Karen, who Karen. is briefly an obstacle to Karen. Jim and Pam's relationship, played by Rashida Jones. <sighs> Great um, actress. Very <laughs> funny actress. Did uh, have some chemistry with uh, with yeah. J- Jim Halpert. Yeah. Well, I forget his actor's name. Yeah. John Krasinski. John Krasinski. There you go. Did have some chemistry, yeah. but just tossed aside. Yep. Another just, like, fridged relationship. Ugh. Toss aside in service of Jones. the. I mean, the she gets she later gets person. married and gets pregnant to somebody else, but you know she yeah. has a happy life. Yeah. In the different branch, but yeah. you know what you know what could have been. What could have been. Um. Could have, should have, would have. Yeah, you have um. You know, I think the office is at least a lot more progressive in terms of you know giving the female characters agency and other wants and uh, desires. And I think. Pam goes off to art school. Um, You know, Angela wants to progress in society. You know, it just tends to be kind of dull and sort of and sort of paint by numbers, and that's really the issue. It's because I think that relationship was really just built off of flirtation and not built off of substance. Do you think, from a writer's perspective, um, what do you think is the cure to this? Is it to sort of you know? go the Parks and, Rec's, Parks and Rec route and have their relationship not change at all when they get married? Or is it to sort of, you know, make sure that you flesh out their relationship before they get married? Well, because I think that's why it doesn't change in Parks and Rec, is because we already know what these two characters look like in a relationship, and that getting married is just means that they've now committed to each other forever. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, like... It's that you need to have the characters work 
even when it's not about just them flirting about with each them other. Flirting. Yeah. And so if Jim and Pam were actually that entertaining without the audience going, oh, I just wish they that would they get would together. Get together. Yeah. Like their whole characters were almost built around. I think Pam's character in particular was a lot built around. Right. That flirtiness. She like, was the desired object yes. rather than a character in and of and herself. And then when they tried to make her a character, I think they floundered there a little bit. I think they had some success. Right. But it was limited. Like, I'm having trouble besides, like, she liked art to really describe right. Pam and she what she was did. shy and liked art. Yeah. She was your self-insert. Yeah, exactly. Like, it allowed anyone to sort of see themselves in that role. Right. Um, Which maybe that's, you know, why it's effective. Yeah. Is because these people are blank slates. For sure. But then, you know, obviously no one wants to see a blank slate <laughs> Right. And I mean, I feel like we could name, like, a hundred other shows that use this trope. Of course. And use it pretty poorly. Right. Um, or or use it in a way that... In a cheap way. In, in a classic way, in a way that I think it is often used and why I tend to take umbrage with it as a trope um, as just, like, a crutch. You know, like, right. here's something that will create tension and create a through line that we can have at mid-season breaks and we can have at finales that's gonna, right. like, punch up the story and really like, drive it home. But that doesn't mean that there's no new ways to do the same thing. Sure. It has become an audience expectation in the same way that we now no longer expect a laugh track. Right. Sometimes we don't expect uh, a will-they-won't-they-to-go-a-certain-way. Our, ex- our expectations change. The tropes change. So let's talk a little bit about what will-they-won't-they they looks like today. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um, where where should we start? A Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a All good right, yeah. Start. Um, guys, I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Guys, I'm very indifferent to Brooklyn <laughs> Um, which I think is great. I think that's totally fine and fair. Um. I just think that it, it, it uses all of the same cliches that we've seen in a million other shows, and what it adds that's new is the sort of, like, cop drama, which we have already seen in, you know, every single procedural already. Now it's just relocalized into a, into a sitcom. Right. Um, I don't know. I disagree, and I think that they do. Like, I would say Brooklyn Nine-Nine is very trope-aware as okay. a show in general. Um, and as I you think, have to be in this day and age. As you have to be in this day and age. Um, though not necessarily. I think there's lots of Trope-unaware <laughs> shows. Right. Um, uh, but so, I think it's very aware of its tropes. Okay. And I think sometimes that's to its benefit, and sometimes it's to... It's detriment a little bit. Okay. Um, I tend to err on the side that I think it's more beneficial to the show and funny for those reasons. Um, I think Andy Samberg's character um, is very much, from the beginning, you're supposed to think he's this... And, and from a lot of things he says and the way he acts, he's supposed to sort of be this, like, bro-y, like, male lead cop, you know? Well, yeah, um, well, I just but, think he's more like a guy. He's he's the guy who grew up on cop shows, exactly, and then wanted to become a cop, exactly. So he's he himself is trope aware, yes. But he's a goofy, but he's a goofy nerd. nice guy who makes mistakes, but is willing to learn from them. Right. And I think I think he's very much a an admirable character who I like a lot. Yeah, he's very um, likable, and but so, like, but aren't they all? Aren't they all at the at the beginning? But then they they start to change 
But I think anytime he changes, only for the better. Like yeah, it tends I, to be. But he still falls into those same traps. He's still going after Amy. He's still you know. Okay, so so for those of you who don't know, right. um, Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's a cop show. It's a sitcom. Um, it stars character Jake Peralta. Andy Samberg plays him. Yep. Um, and he the the first episode introduces this bet that he has with fellow detective Amy Santiago. And the winner of the bet, um, if Jake wins, Amy has to go on a date with him. And if Amy wins, she gets his car, which she's going to, like, set on fire. And, like, the two of them are very Whoa, much... <laughs> a little antagonistic competition. Absolutely. It's the, it's the same to me. To it me, is, it's though. exactly the same. It is. I, I would agree. And um, I actually went back, because it's been a while since I've watched the first season, because we're now on season five. That's so right. So like, five years ago. Um I went back and I watched it, and I would agree that especially the first season very much plays these tropes pretty straight. And this is the thing that you'll see in a lot of these shows. Like, we can't cover all of them yeah. here, but, uh, you know, just pick any standard sitcom that's on right now. At least for the first season, you'll have one will they, won't they. Whether it's, you know, um, Superstore or, um, uh, what was that show, Good News or, you know, all these different sitcoms that are on right now, yeah. um, they'll at least for the first season, they'll have some kind of love interest. Right, because it's an e- I think it's an easy hook that get, audiences, get those audiences in. understand. Romance is always popular. Right. But how does Brooklyn Nine Nine challenge? How okay, does it so so I think once we get into season two okay. is well, actually even maybe even season one, um, so the the bet is actually resolved by the mid midpoint, mm-hmm. um, which is probably in the arena of mid season break. Sure. Um, I don't remember exactly at this point. Um, and so Jake ends up winning the bet. So Amy has to go on a date with him. Um, and while they're on the date, uh, another character like tells Jake, "You're basically pulling her pigtails. Like you're being mean to Amy." Because you like her. Right, which but this is, is the kind of thing that, you know, people would say, it's yeah. the just screw already trope. Right. Which, it's that's been around since Cheers as well. Exactly. Yeah, so again, nothing new there. They go on the date, um, and they end up having to do a little bit of cop work that is... Uh, their captain is like, oh, we, we need someone to go cover this right. heist, and <laughs> has the two of them do it, and... Really, Cover they didn't super debt, need them to do it, on date, but on your bet date. But they have the date, and it goes really well, and they catch some bad guys, and woohoo! Um, but at that point, Jake starts to realize that maybe he does have some feelings for for Amy, um, and then the next like yeah. big major change is it's also while working a case they go undercover as a couple. They are Johnny and Dora, right? Okay. That's the next big yeah, development. Yeah. I mean, there's other episodes in between. Um, but the main thing is he realizes his feelings on this fake date, and then they go on another fake date as undercover cops, <laughs> and then they both really realize yeah. that they're into each and, other. Well, so there's some more classic will they, won't they in between there where Amy's dating someone else. But I will say this. like, There's not a lot of... Um, like pining necessarily it's more well, that I mean, and like think i think they do also genuinely respect each other absolutely. in a way that's I pretty mean, professional respect in in this case is a big part of it because yeah. 
They are working, and it's the same thing with Parks and Rec, I would yeah. say, because they're working in a job where it is sort of a meritocracy kind yeah. of thing, where you want to see your coworkers succeed yeah. and stuff. It's not like The Office where it's like, oh, you're the best receptionist. <laughs> right, exactly. You're never going to have the best receptionist or the best paper salesman. <laughs> uh, so right. there's no real mutual respect there. It's just, you know, I like you, you like me. Right. Um, in this show, it's about, there's... you're the best cop. No, you're the best cop. We're right. both the best cop together. Yeah, together Teamwork. we make ultra cop. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, but I think I think there's a a genuine sense of friendship between the two of them, and that yes, they like will definitely rib each other and make jokes, but at the end of the day, they're both totally there for each other. They've got each other's back. They respect each other. So it's in not a way exactly that's... a subversion. It's more just a modern take. That's, that doesn't have as many of the problematic elements yes. that you see before. Yes, which I think is very new, yeah. I think, especially for this trope. Um, so, so this is, let's, you know, let's let's reframe this particular discussion of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. This is probably the best Example. traditional standard will-they-won't-they they, yes. that we've seen on television um, but uh, also, around. I would say, once they... That follows all the like, yes. trappings of the trope without any of the more... Problematic. Icky, problematic yeah. aspects, and it's something to emulate if you're a writer and you're you're trying to pitch a pilot. You yeah, know, make sure that the characters have real respect for each other, that they have real chemistry, that if they are competitive in that Sam and Diane way, it's because they both really do want to be the best. It's not just because they're trying to one up the other person. Right, and it's not they're never competitive about their relationship. Absolutely. Which I think they're competitive about point. external things. Yes. Their job, how many criminals they can catch. Yes. How many, you know, whether they follow the rules or not. Right. And um yeah, so, you know, more hijinks happen. They finally get together. They kiss, but then they're they kiss at the end of one season and we pick up with them right. at the beginning of the next season. Um, and there's a new there's captain. Not, there's, there's not, they don't spend a lot of time hiding their relationship right. in secrecy. It literally comes out in that next episode. Like That's they, right. they, at the beginning of the episode, they're like, let's not tell anyone and keep it light and casual. And then mm-hmm. by the end of the episode, they were told, no, you idiots. You, this is not the like relationship. Don't take you keep it, it casual. Don't take it casual because you actually do like you each like other. You like each other. Do it the right way. Do it the way that, you know, we've been doing this. And so I'd say a lot of season three, um, which is where they actually get together, is them sort of like feeling out this new relationship. For sure. But I think, again, all of their problems are external. It's Jake has a bed that I find very uncomfortable. So like, let's deal with that. But like, it's nothing. It's like, it's very episodic. It's very episodic. (laughs) But in the same way that like with Sam and Diane or Ross and Rachel, it'd be like, I just can't stand the way Rachel nags me. You're like, I can't stand the way Diane's so pompous. It's like, there's nothing about each other's personality, like, sure. in that way that but bothers it's, But I think person. that with the bed thing, it's a perfect example. The mattress is supposed to be emblematic yes. of the differences between them, that Amy is straight-laced and neat. Right. And, you know... But they end up finding... Jake is, is a slob but who I doesn't think, care about superficial yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say, though, that they are, they're, the show is really good at finding compromises that don't feel like one person is always right and the other person is always <coughs> wrong. That's fair. And I think that it also does a really good job of having the... Um, like, having that conflict... 
where they ask you, it's like, really, what's more important to you? This bed or this person that you care about, you know? Of course. And I think, like... It addresses them yeah. on a more human level. Exactly. Which, that's what I would say, is that this this show treats their characters more like humans. Sure. I would, in an I would actual relationship who want to and actually be And I would just say, to address my lukewarm reception of yeah. this show, <laughs> which is just that, it's just that a lot of episodes feel like they've been done. Sure. And the, the there's nothing super unique to me about the workplace interactions that I see. You know, I do think that Amy and Jake are sort of like a healthy version of yeah. Sam and Diane. That's, that's what I would say about and, this show in a lot of respects is especially after season two, because there's definitely some problematic elements mm-hmm. to seasons one and two. Um, after season two, I think it's just like a healthier version yeah. of a lot of sitcoms that have come right. before. And I still think the jokes are very And funny. you know, the, the, the overcloseness of Jake and Boyle is also played for that. You know, yeah. it's played for laughs that Boyle is so invested in their relationship mm-hmm. as this, you know, audience surrogate. Yeah. Oh man, you were born to be together. Yeah. When you first met, the very first moment that you met, I said, yeah. I hear wedding bells. Uh, yeah. You know, but it's played for laughs that he's, you know, such a romantic I, and he's I would say crazy. Boyle is probably the most problematic character of the whole he's show. He's problematic, but I think it's very much lampshaded and he's partly because he's Jolo Truglio is such a strange-looking human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's sort of like the audience doesn't have to see him as, like, the ideal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, whereas they sort of do for a lot of other yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so I think there are... But, you know, you have an episode where Jake is trying really hard to impress uh, Santiago's father. Yeah. Oh, oh, are you going to be able to do everything? And so, you know, right, it's aware of those totally tropes. Classic. But it doesn't really... It's very aware of those tropes. It doesn't really play with them too much. Um, yeah. And, like, I, I think one that I would point to in season four that's, like, really emblematic of the relationship is when, um, like, Amy is trying to study for the sergeant's exam and Jake is there helping her all the way. Right. But then she eventually confesses to him that the thing that made her nervous about taking it wasn't necessarily even the test itself. It was that it might change the relationship. And so, again, it's a sort of, like, external thing, but that that is testing their their relationship. But their respect for each other and their respect for each other's careers is also a huge, important part of their relationship. And so it can only ever be a problem for one episode. And that... That does it's, make sense. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I, I You've convinced it. me. All yeah. right. This is it is it is sort of a shining example of, you know, health, happiness. <laughs> Healthy relationships. It's it's something that maybe you could take the things that you see in this and, like, there's and a lot apply of... them to your own life in a way that you definitely shouldn't with friends. Right. How I make your mother. Cheers. Don't. don't do it. Yeah. And and just like and I'll even say like Opposed to The Office, where they try to introduce these, like, real problems that couples have, but it always comes off as, like, too serious and, like, too real and not mm-hmm. necessarily very funny. With Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I, the, like, problem itself might not be funny, but all the hijinks around that problem, I think they do a good job of making that really right. entertaining. I think, yeah, dealing with when two characters are actually together can be the hardest part of writing a will-they-won't-they can be the hardest part of, you know, sustaining that type of yeah. writing. And um, I think that, you know, if you can look at a specific show 
that, you know, maybe like or a specific way that you could challenge that is maybe by playing with the idea of will they or won't they stay together? But then you sometimes run into the problem of them breaking up and getting back together or not. Right. But you will do you will Which still see, see shows. Um, you're starting to see shows now that are playing with will they or won't they get divorced if they're married. Yeah. Um, and I think that is an interesting think, sort of take on the future of this trope yeah. and how like our, our attitudes towards relationships are changing. We no longer see marriage as the end all be all. Mm-hmm. Um, so you look at a show like Rick and Morty, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, has its various problematic <laughs> elements, uh, especially in the fandom, but you know, like, you what know, can what, you do? What, what can you do? I still like the show just on a purely, you know, fun sci-fi comedic ca- cartoon, level. Yeah. comedic level, very imp- improvised. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like the idea that the... <laughs> the relationship that it's focusing on, apart from Morty's young infatuation with this girl, where it is often shown to be, you know, based on virtually nothing, and it's just a creepy little creeper kid just, you know, pining after the hot chick from class. But, you know, um, the the real relationship that they're focusing on is a, a married couple who are always on the brink of getting divorced. Yeah. And I think that is that has that same tension it of does. will you get together? Um, and it's it allows the, you to relive. It's yes. that like kinetic or oh, maybe it's not kinetic energy. It's the potential energy. That's yeah. what it is. It's that potential energy building yeah. to something, whether yes. it is marriage or divorce. Right. Is does, and then once matter. they're divorced, you know, getting back together, together possibly, right. or, you know, doing whatever you're going to do, yeah. but it has to feel like it's a real change for the characters is the Absolutely. only thing. And in this case, you know, I would say that, you know, Beth and Jerry are unhealthy as all hell, <laughs> but a lot of marriages are, and a lot of marriages, they stay together for the kids or they stay together for various other reasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes marriages are things that you really have to work on and that can be really toxic at the base, but you yeah. can try and fix those toxic elements. Right. Or maybe sometimes you should Or sometimes get you can. And sometimes you get divorced. And that's, I think, the, the real key here is that if you try and draw from real life, you're always going to end up with something that's usable. But you do need to frame it correctly, and you need to frame it as what it is. It's either right. it's a toxic relationship or it's a healthy one. There is kind of a binary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, like, again, this trope is a big one. It's in everything. It's, I think, also one of the most parodied tropes absolutely. probably out yeah. there. Um, it, we talked about 30 Rock already, but... Um, Always, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yes, like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Does I think a really great job of pointing out just how screwed up this trope can be right. in the form of uh, the the. <laughs> it's not a will they won't they <laughs> at all. It's a they won't, and I'm so happy they won't. <laughs> yeah. Relationship uh, between Charlie and, and the waitress, waitress yeah. which is it's shown as a stalker stocky yeah. relationship. That's it. That's all it is. Also, like, the thing of It's Always Sunny is it's just 
like the, the worst, the worst people. garbage. It's the dregs yeah. of humanity. And I really I'm not saying the show is garbage. I'm it. saying the people. The people are on the show are garbage. And like the show the, knows it. It is the. It is one of my favorite shows. It's one of the funniest shows because it's not afraid to sort of you know question these things that we take for granted. So you see Charlie do all these things. He breaks into her house on a regular basis. Yeah. Um. You know, gives her well, like she apparently puts say... vitamins in her shampoo <laughs> and yeah. like you know kills rats in her apartment yeah. like anything that he could do to like quote Provide unquote her. help yeah. them like you know it, but really it's a huge invasion of space and privacy of course and, and like the audience knows this yeah. and you see that like you know Dennis is who is always the ladies, ladies man. man but actually the attempted rapist <laughs> always um he, he has his system the Dennis it's system and Charlie is trying to use his system and ends up, you know, getting people stabbed right. by carnies. Right, because it's a messed up system. Because it's a messed up system. And a messed system. up person is just going to make it worse. Of course. And I think that the key to it is that Charlie's character, at its core, is that he is a very childlike character. Yes. He is... He has an infantile understanding of the world, of and you can everything. really see that. You can really see that in the episode "The Gang Saves the Day" from season mm-hmm. nine, yeah. Um, where you see what Charlie's dream is of him being the hero of a story, and his dream is that he saves the love of his life from being shot by a by a convenience Mugger. store robber, yeah. um, and she's so grateful to him that they get together. And they live in a big up house, in and they fly away on balloons. No, 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 she dies. Right, she dies. It's basically it turns into it up. turns into up. It becomes well, it's an like animated half ratatouille. Segment. Like all the rats like help them. <laughs> right, it's all called, the rats help if them. If you haven't watched it, it's what is it? Season Se- nine, episode, episode six. six. The gang go, saves the day. Go watch Everyone it. Everyone gets their opportunity to Charlie's, show their heroic moment. Charlie's, Charlie's last, I believe. Yes, and Charlie so gets to show that what he really sees the world as is just that a janitor and a waitress are compatible. And men and women are compatible. And then they have babies and they and look so exactly like them. And so they have to like have them. babies that look exactly like and them they do but the same younger. Thing and as they do a... the same job and they go to work and, they all and then they all have are, babies. Have babies and... and there's just generation after generation, yeah. a very childlike view. And a then very... he flies off in the house. Yes. And so the when when the waitress <laughs> dies, he gets rewarded. By being able to fly away in a house made of balloons. Yeah. Because he his whole understanding of, of romance comes and from Disney movies. and children's films yeah. and animated films. And that leads to really fucked up behavior in adulthood. Yeah. Um, can. It can. It doesn't <laughs> would, have to. I would not say that most people grow up to be no. the characters. But, if you, but if you are in that arrested development sort of state, yeah. not the show, but the actual <laughs> psychological phenomenon, yes. where you are stuck in your childhood, yeah. then you, you view relationships that way. And I think Ross and Rachel, they're mm-hmm. stuck in high school. Yeah. And I think Sam and Diane, they're very arrested development type people. They, they are stuck in young childhood pulling each other's yeah. hair and twisting their noses. I it's think, all it's all sort of baked yeah. into this childlike view of relationships. I think um similarly to the way that you love 30 Rocks subversion, mm-hmm. uh like acknowledgement and then subversion yes. of the will they want they trope is the same 
Like, like I, I love community that community way. Community does a very um, good job with this, absolutely. Only because I feel like we would be remiss to mention Rick and Morty and not community. Of course. Dan Harmon's true masterpiece, yeah. community. In, in my opinion. I mean, um, love all of Dan Harmon's work. Love yeah. Monster House. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Um, <laughs> community is my community favorite piece is, of TV in all is, of existence. Is really fantastic in that it is so trope aware. It is, but it doesn't come off should, as inhuman. There is a humanity to there, it. All of these people are acting like humans at the end of the day. I think. Yeah, except and for in a somewhat fantastical exactly, world. Exactly, I would say real humans in a somewhat fantastical yes. world of this school where crazy things could happen. But, it, but in a way that feels true to both life and tv exactly you know because it's aware of what tv does and it Mm -hmm. plays with what tv does and what it can do all the time and like real-time fan reactions to that almost there's a there's one episode where um the creator dan Harmon, had found a shipping video that someone made of uh i think it was jeff and annie at the time uh just online just found it on youtube what what he loves to do is bottle episodes that are all flashbacks but like it's a clip show because tons of shows have clip shows but it's but it's yeah he he only did one show where they did flashbacks it's a it's the episode that we're talking about is um something of human memory um is that when they did this? Yes. Okay. It's the it's uh. He does love bottle episodes, which I think is great. I Paradigms I of Human Memory season two episode twenty one. Okay. And it's a great episode. Um, and it's it, it's a a clip show, but all of the clips are from episodes that never happened. Yes. Um, and one of the things that they're showing is, um, you know. What about what about the the what about oh, the any of it all? Yeah, what about the any of it all? The tension, the because, stolen glances. Yeah, because so uh, the main character Jeff Wingers is this lawyer who has to go back to community college because mm-hmm. he faked his degree. He's the classic con man type character. Right. Um, very much like an asshole who learns how to have a heart of gold, like that right. sort of thing. Um, and the whole show is based off of the premise of will they, won't they, with him and this other character, uh, Britta Perry. Right. And whether or not, like, he can get with her, you know? Right. And there is, is a relationship that is purely based off of antagonism. And when they do get together, it's right. shown that it doesn't really work. Right. And so, you know, they're, he's in this whole study group with a whole bunch of misfits, um, and one of them is also this girl, Annie, who's very buttoned up, like... Yeah, and there's a lot of good contrast. Yeah. In the, it's a Sam and Diane kind of contrast. Right. But it's different well, in that the, it's not so antagonistic. each other, yeah. There's not a lot of antagonism like, there, apart from in a couple of, like, brief episodes, like the, the uh, election right. episode. But um, I think that's all external conflict. It is, you know? again, it's like, all external competition. At the end of the it's day... It's not competition of one another. Right. But, but so, this clip show... Dan Harmon found it on YouTube, realized it was a thing that people did, and then incorporated it. Shipping these it. characters, Jeff and Annie. Right, incorporated it, and basically just, like, these, like, supposedly, like, stolen glances moments, because he thought it was such an incredible thing that people could take the smallest moments yes. and turn it into something meaningful. Because he then, didn't give them a lot to work with. Yeah, because he does it with Annie, but then they do it again with, like, Pierce and Abed, who right. are two other characters who have no chemistry. You can look at any two characters and find a clip of them looking at each other with friendship or longing right. or love and then or put whatever. Some, some Sarah McLaughlin of course, music put, over it. If you put sad music over it, anything yeah. looks like a will they won't they. 
And fans can really take any clip of any two characters interacting and turn into a will-they-won't-they, they, anything. They really know. can, yeah. And, and they gen- generally did. I mean, every yeah. young, attractive character on that show hooked up yes, with ship. one yeah, another. exactly. You know, uh, Troy had a relationship with Annie in a will-they-won't-they yeah. sort of way. Um, Jeff had a relationship with both Britta and Annie. Um, and, Troy and Britta. And Troy and seasons. Britta eventually Which, uh, See, this together. is another one where they built up a beautiful will they... It wasn't even a will they, won't they. It was just like there was, was chemistry was building between the two of they them. And they ruined it in season four when they, Dan Harmon wasn't there. Yeah, Dan Harmon... Topic for another time. Dan Harmon <laughs> left the show and the show also left <laughs> the, the show. show. Yeah. All um, right. But will they, won't they? Will they or won't will they? Will they or won't they? And I think we can talk about the end of, of Community as a... Pretty interesting tidbit. Yeah. Um, this was an ending that was actually conceived by uh, Dan Harmon's ex-wife, Erin McGathy, mm-hmm. um, who's also a very funny comedian. Yes. Um, and she sort of uh, compared the last scene of this show, which features um, Jeff talking to Annie and saying, you know, what do you really want? What do? What is this? Where is this going? Because you could be leaving tomorrow. This show might not come back, um, in both in a metafictional right. sense and in the show itself. Um, but you know, like what is, what happens now? Should, should we kiss? Should we have like a passionate night together? And then she says, you know, maybe you should just give me, you know, a friendly kiss goodbye so that, you know, you don't regret it. And Aaron McGathy said that it's, it's a lot like the movie Drop Dead Fred, which is about a young girl, uh, who grows up and then reconnects with her imaginary friend. Mm. Um, and there's just at the end, there's just a nice, like loving kiss, but it's not a romantic kiss. Yeah. And I think that's what this is. And I think there's an understanding that you can have sexual feelings for a person, Mm -hmm. but they don't have to supersede the love of a friendship. Right. And I think they don't like, just because you want to bang someone doesn't mean (laughs) you have to be in a relationship with them. Right. Like, exactly. It's, it's it's all, and oftentimes it means like if Tinder proves anything, it's that people just want to, Bang. And that's the and that's the conclusion that we're about to come to <laughs> is why don't we have a sitcom about Tinder? No, no, thank you. I'm sure <laughs> it's in production somewhere. <laughs> Tinder the show. Oh God. Oh yes. Wasn't there? Wait, wasn't there a show called Tinder? No, it wasn't. Swipe Tinder. left. It for was love. like no, it was like about Grinder or something. I could be wrong. I'll, um, I'll die. I'll yeah. die of death. <laughs> um. You've also got shows yeah. that are that are out right now. You've got plenty of shows that are out right now that yeah. are playing with this sort of dynamic. You've tell got us, The Good Place. Tell us which shows you think yeah. are. Like, Give us any examples that you can think of yeah. of good shows that with for this trope, bad shows for this trope. Yeah, what are your favorite examples, least favorite? Do you like this trope? Do you not like it? Yeah, I mean, is, it, is this something that you look for when you pick up a new show? Right. Or is it something that's sort of incidental for you? Right. Um, you I, know. I think um, to sort of almost bring us full circle, yeah. the the new show that Ted Danson is on, uh, yes. The Good Place. Uh, it does play with this it, a lot. It's Yeah, especially in its second season has really started to look more critically at a lot of sitcom tropes and specifically parody the cyclical nature of yes. them. I don't want to say why it's doing more of this right. in the we second season than the first anything, season. I won't spoil it for you. But take, suffice it to say new. that the status quo is a big issue yes. in this show and maintaining that status quo, but also always changing it. Yes. Um, 
So the, there's a question always of will any of these there's because there's really only four main human characters. Yeah, and I'd they, say six main how characters are they, total. How are they going to pair up, and and what are they going to do? So there and, are a lot of things they, they can do. And will they pair off with? The non-human characters. Exactly. What are you going to do? And so, you know, like, even if you reduce this trope down to its very, very bare minimum of there's four people. Yeah. Any of them could hook up also with any of them. Also, it produces some really fun bottle episodes. Which, of course, yeah. Which is a, a topic for another time, but bottle I'm episodes. To, we'll we'll talk yeah. about that at some yeah. point. Um, <laughs> certainly talk about a lot of Dan Harmon in that one, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, like, yeah. The Good Place, you know, it's still very heteronormative. Very, very heteronormative. Um, there's a lot of characters, you know, there's a lot, every character has a soulmate, but there's no there's a lot of, same-sex like, soulmates. There's gay teasing, but And there's, no. yeah, there's gay teasing, but not follow-through. Um, but I do think it is an interesting show just because it For really, sure. like, it's just the bare bones of yeah. the will they, won't they. I would say nothing it's probably the, the TV show, the only network TV show that's, like, actually pretty interesting to be watching right now that's that, it's definitely that the one that i'm watching right now is, yeah. as far as network sitcoms yeah um there's definitely other ones to watch but yeah. i just haven't gotten around to them totally um, I mean, let us know any, any shows that you want watch. that we should watch yeah and maybe we'll talk about it um, also if you if you guys have any trope suggestions that you're super absolutely. excited to hear us talk about we'd love to talk about them yeah um, anything so can... that's on tv tropes is is fair totally game. fair game and thank you very much to tv tropes for helping us with our research yeah I mean, absolutely. it's a great resource um, we don't, we're not affiliated with them. We are not. <laughs> they don't know we exist. It's just a great website. It is. It really is. Um, and, uh, maybe we'll talk about this more in the future, but for yeah. now, uh, let's leave you with this. Will we, or won't we end this episode right now? We will. <laughs>